We're still in the season of Lent in which we tap into John's gospel. And John has a tendency to write in lengthy stories, including lots of dialogue, pronouncement, and learning at the end. In chapter 11, we encounter a situation in which the most horrible thing imaginable fell upon the household of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is taken ill and dies. And here's how John tells the story. There was a certain man named Lazarus who was sick. He and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were from the village of Bethany. Mary was the one who had anointed the feet of Jesus with perfume and dried his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. The sisters sent this message to Jesus. Rabbi, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. It is happening for God's glory, so that God's only begotten may be glorified because of it. Jesus loved these three very much, and yet even after hearing that Lazarus was sick, he remained where he was staying for two more days. Finally, he said to the disciples, Let's go back to Judea. They protested. Rabbi, it was only recently that they tried to stone you, and you want to go back there again? Jesus replied, Aren't there twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk by day don't stumble, because they see the world bathed in light. Those who go walking by night will stumble, because there is no light in them. After Jesus said this, he said to the disciples, Our beloved Lazarus has fallen asleep. I am going to Judea to wake him. The disciples objected, but Rabbi, if he's only asleep, he'll be fine. Jesus had been speaking about Lazarus's death, but they thought he was talking about actual sleep. So he said very plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sakes, I am glad that I wasn't there, that you might come to believe. In any event, let's go to him. Then Thomas The twin said to the rest, let's go with Jesus so that we can die with him. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Since Bethany was only about two miles from Jerusalem, many people had come out to console Martha and Mary about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him while Mary stayed at home with the mourners. When she got to Jesus, Martha said, If you had been here, my brother would never have died. Yet even now, I am sure that God will give you whatever you ask. Your brother will rise again, Jesus assured her. Martha replied, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and I am life. Those who believe in me will live even if they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Martha replied. I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, God's only begotten, the one who is coming into the world. When she said this, Martha went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here asking for you, she whispered. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up and went to him. Jesus hadn't gotten to the village yet. He was at the place where Martha had met him. Those who were there consoling her saw her get up quickly and follow Mary, thinking she was going 
to mourn at the tomb. When Mary got to Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, If you had been here, Lazarus never would have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the other mourners as well, he was troubled in spirit, moved by the deepest emotions. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, they said. And Jesus wept. The people in the crowd began to remark, See how much he loved him. Others said, He made the blind person see. Why couldn't he have done something to prevent Lazarus' death? Jesus was again deeply moved. They approached the tomb, which was a cave with a stone in front of it. Take away the stone, Jesus directed. Martha said, Rabbi, it has been four days now. By this time, there will be a stench. Jesus replied, Didn't I assure you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took the stone away. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and said, Abba, thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd, that they might believe that you sent me. Then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of the tomb, still bound hand and foot with linen strips, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus told the crowd, Untie him and let him go free. Many of those who had come to console Martha and Mary and saw what Jesus did put their faith in him. It's always remarkable to me what strength can be found in people when they face trying circumstances. When the challenges of life seem greatest, many folks find a deep well of strength and courage and hope within themselves. I don't think it necessarily comes from within themselves, but it is certainly put there by the one who put them here. The poem that I read earlier, Invictus, was written by William Ernest Henley. He was a man who knew pain and suffering in his life. At an early age, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis of the bone. And the disease progressed to the point where his left leg had to be amputated below the knee. And from then on, he suffered frequent draining of abscesses caused by the TB of the bone. And they were very painful. His brother recounts how in childhood, after these draining of the abscesses, he would jump about their room and hop on the beds, and dance around. Not because he no longer had pain, but because he would not let the pain conquer him. We see that determination and that sense of grit in the poem that he wrote. It matters not how straight the gate, he writes, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And the hymn that we heard or sang just a bit ago was written by a man who lost four daughters in the sinking of a ship at the Atlantic. And out of his grief and loss, he wrote this powerful hymn, It is well, it is well with my soul. When Jesus speaks with Mary and Martha on that horrible day when they were mourning the death of their brother, 
he says essentially the same thing. It is well with your soul. And you have a decision to make because you are in charge of what happens to your soul. You can either allow this to undo you, to make you bitter, to make you angry, to withdraw from the world, to cease to risk love because of the pain it might bring. Or you can take charge and you can choose to trust, which is an element of the word believe in the Greek word pistuo. You can choose to trust and believe that the one who gave you life will somehow make a resurrection take place. Now, most of us are not going to experience the kind of dramatic renewal of life that Lazarus did from the depths of his own tomb. But resurrection comes to us in a variety of ways. But if we're not prepared to see it, if we have not ahead of time decided that it is possible for God to bring life out of death, then we may miss it entirely. We may not see it at all. When the disciples are reluctant to go back to Judea with Jesus, they're in that frame of mind where they can see nothing but bad things happening. They narrowly escaped Jesus being stoned when they left, and they certainly don't want to go back because they know what's going to happen. And Jesus' response is a bit of a puzzle to us. He says, aren't there 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk by day don't stumble. And this is key, I think. He says, because they see the world bathed in light. Today in central Iowa, it's a glorious sunny day. And it's hard to look out of the window and not see a world bathed in light. But as we sit in our homes and wonder when this new reality is going to change, and we will again be able to gather with the people we love and care about and do the things that are important to us, we may begin to wonder, when will the world be bathed in light again? But the truth is, it already is bathed in light. And we have the choice to decide whether we see it or whether we are those who, as Jesus puts it, go walking by night, stumbling because there is no light in us. We have to find the light in us to get through these dark times. We have to find the hope in ourselves to get through times of deprivation and loss, of grief and pain. So as we face the time ahead, let us remember that the world is bathed in light and it is our challenge to see it as such. Amen. We come to a time now where I will invite you to join with me in prayer. This is a time for you to use that pad and pen and maybe jot down a few things that you want to keep in prayer. As we end our prayer, we will join in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. Holy One, it is a time when it is increasingly difficult to see the light. We hear news of 
deaths. We hear news of businesses closing. We hear news of people who cannot work or who cannot leave their homes. And we are challenged to find hope in the midst of all of this. But we can open our hearts and minds and our perceptions to those glimpses of love and community that sustain us in times such as these. So tune our hearts and minds and spirits to see and grasp, to see with understanding, to see with new eyes, so that the words and stories, the songs and the hope that are conveyed to us take root and strengthen us. Remind us of the people around us who may need an encouraging word or a smile or a wave. Help us to be what we can be to those around us. We ask, O oh God, that you bless our leaders with wisdom and compassion and a sense of urgency. Renew their energy and renew their ability to lead. We pray for all of those for whom this has been a financial disaster. And we ask, O oh God, that you find ways to sustain us all. May we share our abundance such as we have so that others may know abundance as well. We ask, O oh God, that in the midst of trying times, we might not lose our hope, but that we might find that well within us that allows us to continue to drink from the waters of your grace and your spirit. All of these things we ask and more. We bring you all of the concerns of our hearts, whether spoken or unspoken. And we know that you hear us. We speak together now the words that have for generations sustained your people as we say the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Abba, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, things being as they are, it's not possible for us to uh, pass an offering plate among all of you. But what we can do is take stock of where we are and what we have, the resources that we can use to make others know that they are loved and that they are remembered and that they are cherished as children of God. So whatever you have with you that you can share, jot that down. Make sure that you are aware of that in the week to come so that when the needs of the people around you present themselves, you will have a storehouse of ideas to respond and to be generous and to be caring and compassionate. There are also things that we can do to help those less fortunate than we are. We can continue to support our churches and the charities that are important to us. We can also uh, choose to contribute to 
an ecumenical offering called One Great Hour of Sharing. If you have gone to our website, you will find a tab to donate to the One Great Hour of Sharing All Church Mission Offering at the bottom of our homepage. Also, um, there are a number of agencies that are working diligently to make sure that uh, everyone has what they need. The Des Moines Area Religious Council, through its food pantry system, is supporting the schools as they distribute food to the kids that would otherwise be eating at school. And so we invite you to take a chance at um, supporting that effort through the Des Moines Area Religious Council. So, having taken stock of all that, let us express our gratitude to God in prayer. God of resurrection love, we give you thanks for the new life that bursts forth all around us. Through our windows, we see trees budding and grass greening. Early flowers are promising a rainbow of color and a season of warmth. And we thank you that we have been given the gift of love to warm the lives of those around us, even when all hope is gone and the stone seals the tomb of our despair. Open us to new possibilities that we could never have imagined without this crisis. Teach us again that trusting and believing in your grace makes it possible for our lives to be reborn in the spirit of the chosen one. Amplify our gifts with the power of your love. Amen. And now